Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the minors to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 8 of the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I am your host, Eric Cross, and joining me as always in the Toolshed is my esteemed co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. What's going on, Chris? Hey, Eric. I'm doing good, man. Another another week, another prospect talk, and another fun position. Actually, it's a little more exciting than we originally thought, so. It is, it is for sure, and I was looking at it earlier and i think people just look at this position in general and just you know from the past you know what, what we've seen in the past people just think this ah it's not a good position but you start digging into it and it's actually pretty intriguing you have some good names at the top some good sleepers and below and we'll get into all that in a little bit but before we do now a little bit of housekeeping you can find us on twitter i'm at aircross04 chris is at roto clegg and our show is at fantrax toolshed Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a five-star review there or or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews mean a lot and go a long way for visibility and all that good stuff on all those platforms. And Chris and I each have some stuff coming out this week on uh, Fantrax HQ. I'm finally getting back into um, really pumping out some HQ content here. My work with the Fantasy Baseball Black Book is done, and that will be out on the 15th, which I believe is uh, Tuesday. I think it's tomorrow. Um, for when you'll be here on this podcast, so you'll be able to buy that. Uh, I did the top 60 outfielders and top 100 prospects in addition to some editing work. Uh, it's a great book, so go out and check that out. I believe it's right around 15 bucks, if I recall. I don't think the uh, price has changed from last year, but go give that a uh, go buy that and take, check that out f- before you get into your drafts. A lot of good stuff in there. I have a Nate Lowe piece out today, and then I'll be putting out some updated rankings both for redraft and dynasty throughout the week and a couple other articles as well. Chris has an article out today on Garrett Cole. We'll have some uh, Dynasty SP by lows and some expected home run over performers. So a lot, a lot of good stuff coming on on Fandex HQ, not just from us, but from everybody that's been really kicking ass uh, over the over the offseason, putting out consistent content. So definitely head over there to uh, check out all of that. And a quick announcement here. We are going to be doing a best ball listener league for Fantrax Toolshed here. And we wanted to do it a little different. You know, we didn't want to just do like a first come, first serve thing, which it kind of will be, but with a little bit of a twist. We want to do, so tweet us. If you listen to this, tweet at, at Fantrax Toolshed. Uh, you can include Chris and I's handles if you want to, but make sure you do the, the show handle at least. And tell us who your first favorite player was when you were a kid. You know, first get into baseball, you know, maybe you're five, six, seven, eight years old, whatever it may be. That first player that was like, you know, the, a player you looked up to and you imitated their swing, maybe. Um, yeah, tweet us with your first favorite player from when you were a kid, just learning, just getting into baseball, learning the game, and you will have entry into that. It is a $20 entry, um, like I mentioned, best ball format. Um, so if you're interested in getting into that league with Chris and I, um, it's put on by uh, Nathan Longfield, who is Dynasty One Stop, who commissions like seven gajillion leagues. He'll be kind of running it for us. So thank you, Nathan, for that. Um, so yeah, definitely go check that out. 
let's get into things now. And we're talking second base this week. We kind of alluded to, you probably should figure that out for going in order. The catcher two weeks ago, first base last week. Now it's time for second base. And for the first time, we don't really have an exact consensus here at the top. Like the last couple of weeks, we had like the same number one, same number two. This week, we have the same top three, but just like in different order. And our, and our rankings are kind of different this week. So it'll be some interesting conversations. Um, let's start with our personal top 12s here. Chris, who you got as your top 12 at this position? Yeah, so I definitely thought it was interesting when I saw you put in your ranks, and we were very different on a lot of guys, which is good. Some diversity in our rankings made yeah. the consensus. A lot of fun, and a lot of weeks we've been similar, but I feel like second base is the first position where it's not like a lot of these guys are set in stone. Like There's not a definite number one like we had with Torque and Adley uh, Rutschman, so this is a fun position all across the board, but my top 12 goes Jeter Downs, Nick Gonzalez, Vidal Brujan, Aaron Bracho, Jazz Chisholm, Luis Angel Acuna, Nick Madrigal, Xavier Edwards, Michael Bush, Miguel Geraldo, Zach McKinstry, and Michael Escado. And mine is Vidal Brujan, Jeter Downs, Nick Gonzalez, Jazz Chisholm, Xavier Edwards, Nick Madrigal, Luis Angel Acuna, Aaron Bracho, Michael Bush, Miguel Gerardo, Justin Foscue, and uh, Ezekiel Duran. And you're probably wondering, why the heck are we including uh, um, Jazz Chisholm in here? He did play 12 games at second base when he came up with the Marlins this year. So we figured, why, why not just at least include him just to show where he would rank here, just in case he ends up a second. I think he still has a good chance he ends up a short, but we'll see. We figured we would at least throw him in. Um, just to, like I said, show where he would rank here, which is you know pretty high. Um, let's get into those top dogs here. Like I said, we had the same top three, just in a slightly different order. My top three uh, was Bruhan, Jeter Downs, Nick Gonzalez, and Chris went Downs, Gonzalez, Bruhan. So, Chris, let's, let's start with Jeter Downs. Go with your guy first. Start with the Red Sox. There's nothing wrong starting with one, a guy from my Boston Red Sox organization. What put Jeter Downs at number one for you? I've been in on Downs for quite some time now, and I feel like Downs has such a high floor, which makes him a safe bet. And in this landscape that we're looking at with second base here where there's not a definite number one, he feels the safest bet for me to contribute the most. I do think that he's pretty close to contributing. I think he's going to be up this year, be the Red Sox second baseman at some point, which would be huge. He's just hit everywhere he's been. Uh, I mean, the hit tool's there. The power, while it's not elite by any means, he he produces home runs. And while he's, again, not the best runner, he's aggressive on the base pass and steals a lot of bases. And so this is a guy in 2019 that uh, hit 24 home runs and stole 24 bases. Pretty impressive. And upon debuting in double A, the dude slashed 333, 429, 688. So he's not the toolsiest, flashiest guy. Like when we think of that, I look at a guy like Jazz Chisholm, who we're going to talk about a little bit, who's just got a lot of tools, is still raw. And Downs is just very developed, which I love about him. And I think that he's only going to get better. And every stop that he's been, he seems to improve. It takes a little bit of time, but he he settles in and he improves. I was watching him because the Red Sox put out a little bit of stuff from the alternate train site, and the dude was mashing, just hitting the ball off all the top guys in the Sox system, which was encouraging. And so I am very excited about downs coming up. It'll be interesting to see how the stolen bases stick, because, again, the speed's not really there. But if he stays aggressive and the Red Sox let him be aggressive, this dude's going to be a real threat power and speed-wise with a solid average. I think he can easily hit 275-plus give you 20, 25 homers and potentially like 15 stolen bases, which is a nice asset at second base. He provides a lot there. So hopefully he comes up and helps your Red Sox out pretty soon and puts up some solid numbers fantasy-wise. Yeah, that's the hope. You know, I have him in a lot of fantasy leagues, and obviously we, I'd love to have that back, you know, come up and contribute for the Red Sox. You know, probably hits lower in the order to start, obviously, with all the other bats that we have already. But, yeah, this one was really, really tough for me. If you look at my overall rankings – uh, my my spreadsheet. These guys are four spots apart total. So it's like one one. It's, it's Bruhan, Gap, um, Downs, other player, and then Nick Gonzalez. So it's like it's almost splitting hairs. But with down with down before I talk about Bruhan with Downs, you absolutely hit everything on the head there. 
not that doesn't stand out in any one area, but it's really, really solid across the board. And the one thing I noticed with all three of these guys, they all can draw walks. They all have, and they all have pretty solid um, strikeout numbers too. Like you look at all three, see in their career, Ruhan 10.5% walk rate, Gonzalez in college, 14.9. And then downs is 11%. And then, you know, Downs has the highest strikeout rate of the three, but it's only at 19.1%. Gonzalo was 13.3% in, in college and uh, Bruhan 11.1%. But the reason why I went with Bruhan as my number one is I just can't you know, overlook that speed that he brings to the table. This could be a legit 40 steel guy. Everyone's kind of getting on the Corbin Carroll bandwagon because of his speed and hit tool. And these are very kind of similar players. They both have. Elite speed, uh, you know, right on a plus hit tool. You know, Bruhan's a career 294 hitter, so above average to plus hit tool uh, with that solid approach that I mentioned as well. And, you know, maybe a little bias is Bruhan's the only one I've seen live out of the uh, Arizona Fall League back in 2019. You know, I think there's a little bit of power projection there. Not a lot. I don't think he's ever be like a 15 home run guy, but maybe he can get up to like 10 to 12. Just, you know, always kind of flirting with 10. Maybe he gets up to 11, 12, and then years would be like seven or eight. But there's some pull power there. He can get under the ball and drive it in the air a little bit. I mean, he, a great example of that, he hit a freaking moonshot. Not a moonshot. <laughs> that's a little much. But he got he really pulled a ball in the uh, Fall Stars game, hit it off the very top of the wall. I think he missed it being a home run on the right field by about a foot. And then he hauled around the bases for a triple, which was uh, timed at 11.6 seconds. And that was with him kind of slowing down around second to look out to right field, see where the play was. Um, so it probably would have been more like 11-2, 11-3 if he was fully hustling around for the entire uh, trip. But yeah, that speed could be a 40-steel guy, 290 average in that general ballpark, really solid OBP. He's got to hit probably near the top of the order with that speed and the on-base skills. If he can get up to 10 home runs, I think that'll be a great asset for fantasy. So it's pretty pretty much splitting hairs with between him and Downs. And one thing I love about Downs, too, um, it's kind of like his overall like hitting profile is that he his fly ball rate has always been right around fifty percent every year, and his pull rate has been right around forty percent. And as you know, you know hitting the ball in the air at Fenway Park to the you know his pull side, which will be over out to left field there, that usually means a lot of doubles off the wall, a lot of shots into the monster seats. So I think his kind of swing and kind of spray chart plays very very well at Fenway. It won't be. It would not surprise me if he ran into like push 30 home runs at peak down the road. Maybe not consistently every year, but definitely 2025, like you mentioned, Chris, pushing 30. So I love Jeter Downs. Like I said we're splitting hairs here. Um, the ISO jumped over 100 points from 2018 to 2019 with him, 147 to 252. Like I said, I, I you think you're spot on with those projections. And I do think he's going to be up fairly soon this year, but maybe, maybe June, July, I think it's a pretty fair um, spot for him to come up. Um, probably should probably hit seventh or eighth, but that could still mean a lot of RBIs. I mean, he'll have, you know, guys like Devers hitting fourth or fifth and JD hitting fifth or something like that. So probably still gets a lot of RBIs once he comes up, but we'll, you know, give him a little bit of power speed. Um, so I definitely love Jeter Downs moving forward. Love Ruhan. I don't know with uh, Nick Gonzalez, where are you at on Nick Gonzalez? Cause obviously the hit tool with Gonzalez is plus like it. That's like what stands out with him. And, you know, the power really showed up. Obviously, he had 12 home runs in 16 games, um, but mostly at a, you know, hitter-friendly venue and against lesser competition. New Mexico State's not really playing in a, you know, powerhouse conference um, this past year. But, you know, power speed has kind of been a question with Nick Gonzalez, and, you know, neither one of them really stand out in general. So where are you at in Nick Gonzalez? Are you, are you a big Nick Gonzalez guy, or are you thinking he's more, more of like a safer floor type? Yeah, I'm leaning towards the safer floor. I, it's hard to buy into that power, but when you look at it, man, it's so encouraging. Just everything he's done. I mean, his freshman year, he hit nine home runs in 230 plate appearances. Then that jumped his sophomore year to 16 and 284 plate appearances. And then this junior year, we know that was cut short. 12 home runs and 82 plate appearances. Just stupid power. And even in the Cape, man, in the Cape Cod League in 2019, he showed some power and hit seven home runs in 42 games, which is pretty solid. Now, the floor is there, like, for a solid batting average, and we know that. Good OBP skills, like, he's going to walk a lot. He, he walked more than he struck out in college, which is always encouraging. 
had similar had about a one to one walk to strikeout rate in the Cape League, which is pretty solid competition there. But I don't know. I just I'm not seeing the power translating that well. But I do think there's some solid floor. Maybe it's just even if it's just a 15 to 20 home run guy with a very solid batting average, he could be a solid asset. Speed wise, it's intriguing. Like he can run, but again. I don't, I don't know how it translates. It'll be interesting to see because we haven't really seen him play at the highest level of competition yet. And so there's always that question of how will they make that jump? I mean, playing at New Mexico State against lesser competition with aluminum bat, moving now to professional ball against higher competition with a wood bat, will that power translate well? We'll see. Obviously, we didn't get to see him debut this year because there was no minor leagues, but hopefully we'll get to see him up this year. But for now, I'm staying pretty conservative on my projection of him. Like again, I, having him third, I'm second in my rankings actually, which I probably should look into Bruhan a little more. But I don't know. Gonzalez seems like more of a floor guy to me than than the upside. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, with his profile outside the hit tool, it's very yeah. There's a lot of question marks about how the power will translate. The speed, I think he has the speed to you know approach 15, you know 15, 20 steals in the high teens, but. He just didn't run that much. Like he only had 13 steals in college. And how many games did he play? What was it? 128 games. So that does translate to about, you know, probably 16 or so steals over a full season. But he just didn't look like he ever wanted to run much. He only had, you know, um, the seven steals in 55 games in 2019. Four steals in 16 games was pretty solid in 2020. So he was just tearing the cover off the ball. But I do think he settles in as kind of like a top of the order hitter. I mean, I think he's he's a good number two hitter. I don't know if he's a great leadoff hitter because I like having at least some, you know, maybe above average speed there, which I don't think Gonzalez has. But you know, he's gonna have he could flirt with a four hundred OBP. Like he really could. I told you the walk rate fourteen point nine percent. Look in college, he hit three ninety nine with a five oh two OBP. That's just insane to be right in that four hundred to five hundred range for your average in OBP. So I think he definitely can hit over 300, flirt with a 400 average, uh, 400 OBP, excuse me. And obviously it depends what Pittsburgh will put behind him, which, you know, maybe looking at probably Brian Hayes and then who knows after that, but long-term. But, you know, he's probably going to be a guy gives you a solid average, a good amount of runs, and maybe he's in the teens for power and speed, which, you know, it's not great, but it's, it's pretty, it's solid. So I think he can be, you know, definitely a guy that maybe is a, you know, back end top 10 fantasy second baseman just because he's got that high average, high OBP. The run score will be pretty solid, a little bit pop with the speed. Um, but I'm also not really loving the system. Like Pittsburgh doesn't have a great track record of success. Like we talked about that, you know, a handful of weeks ago we were, when we were talking about like Brendan Malone and Quinn Priester and Tanaj Thomas. You know, that goes for the hitting side of things too. Like this is not like one of the greater systems out there for player development. So, are they going to be able to, to maximize the you know potential impact Gonzalez can have? You know, we'll see. But you know, I'd feel a lot better if he landed in, you know, the, you know, the Dodgers or or Houston or something like that. One of the one of the better player development orgs. But we'll see. You know, he's he's a great hitter, so maybe he can um, he can make it work there in Pittsburgh. But you know, it could be a pretty solid you know middle of the order or two three with him and Hayes long term. With some little something for Pittsburgh fans to. Uh, hold on to and be excited for because they haven't had a lot of that over the last uh, few years here. They've been kind of sour dwellers out there on the NL Central. Moving on here, though, as we get out of the top three here, talk about some guys that debuted this year. We had a few intriguing debuts and another one here that we'll talk about that's nearly ready, probably it might be up midseason. Let's start with Nick Madrigal here. Another guy that kind of gets underrated because he has very little power, but He's another really, really safe floor guy, isn't he, Chris? Yeah, and so I was, and as I'm looking into uh, Nick Gonzalez, obviously I see a little bit of Nick Madrigal. Like there was the, a lot of prospect hype when obviously Madrigal was drafted and came out. I mean, Gonzalez has always hit for more power, but on the flip side, you have the speed with Madrigal, but both were high average, high OBP guys. And so there was so much hype around Madrigal, obviously picked fourth in the 2018 draft everyone was hyped he comes up you know he doesn't hit a home run at all in 2018 and then in 2019 hits just four so we're not expecting a whole lot of power but from the standpoint of you can probably count on three very solid categories 
if you're playing in a standard five by five, like you're even OBP because you're going to get an extremely high batting average, a great OBP floor, even though he doesn't walk a ton, just the high batting average just boost him up that much. So you get a nice OBP regardless. He's going to score a lot of runs if, and that's a big if right now he's probably going to hit ninth in the order, but long-term if he could be a nice leadoff guy, you're going to score a lot of runs in that way. And then stolen bases, you know, he's, we know he's got the speed. He's got, Elite speed is still a lot of bags. And so I was looking, Steamer projects him to steal 20 this year and hit 307, which is pretty impressive for a young guy that just made his debut. Obviously, we know he got hurt last year and missed some time, but he hit 340, 376 OBP, higher OBP than slugging, actually, which is funny when you have a 376 (laughs) OBP and a 369 slugging percentage. So it makes for an interesting uh, profile there. But dude's an elite contact hitter, and that's where you get the high floor from. He makes elite, elite, elite contact, like top of the MLB numbers, which is impressive. I mean, no one makes better contact than him. Hits the ball on the ground a lot, which mm, maybe if we can get that launch angle changed a little bit, we might see a little more power. He doesn't hit the ball very hard. So it's just more of a floor type of pick, which is interesting because I feel like a lot of these second basemen are just more floor guys, which in a way – could be good. You you know what you're going to get, and you know what you're going to get out of Madrigal. You're never going to get a whole lot of power. The hit tool is legit plus potential double plus. The speed is potential double plus as well. Obviously, it could taper off with time, but right now you're going to get that. You know you're going to get solid average, solid speed, minimal power, but that's what he is. That's exactly what he is. And, yeah, you, I love that you, you brought up the contact because – you know, for the longest time, or not the longest time, last couple of years at least, and David Fletcher has been like that guy. And Nick Madrigal beat out David Fletcher this past year in contact rate. He had a Madrigal had a ninety-two point four percent contact rate, which is actually second in baseball behind Eric Sogard of all people. I uh, wouldn't expect <laughs> to that. Um, his Z contact was third highest in baseball. Talking Madrigal here at ninety-five point five percent. Assuming ninth high, or tied for eighth highest. Excuse me. Um, but he's right up there in all the contact rates. The swing strike rate was only 3.3%, which was also top five in baseball, only behind – oops, I just sorted it the wrong way here. Um, he was only behind Eric Sogard and David Fletcher at 2.63%. So, yeah, he's he puts the ball in play and has great speed. Those usually – that leads to a lot of good things. Obviously, like you mentioned, there's, there's no power here. There was, there was like some rumors or reports like a year ago or so that – there's a little more power that he was showing, but we haven't really seen it yet. So maybe, maybe he gets up to like five to ten at best, but even that might be a, a little much for, for Magical. But obviously, you're not drafting him for the power, like you mentioned. You're drafting him for the high floor, the high average, high OBP. You know, probably in the long run, he's going to have a lot of runs scored as he brought, moves up to the top of the order at some point in the next couple of years um, with that good speed. You know, it's going to be a 300 hitter you know, 30 plus steals and just, just a really, really safe all around profile. Like he, the, the dude just doesn't strike out. Like what do you, he went in his first, was it 70 something plate appearances in the minors without striking out, which is just like ridiculous. Like who does that? And overall, you know, when you add up the, uh, what he did in Chicago this past season, the minor leagues, and then uh, his time at Oregon state, he struck out 72 times in 1,722 play appearances for a 4.2% strikeout rate. And that's over several years. That goes back to 2016. So five years, he has a 4.2% strikeout rate, which just shows, you know, again, the high floor that he has. And these types of guys just often get overlooked or kind of it's like, oh, well, if there's no power. I'll move on. I want a guy to go, at least give me some power. But, you know, they can be valuable. I'm not going you know, to go overboard and, you know, use a high draft pick on him anytime soon, but you know, especially in, in, in even in twenty twenty one drafts, you know, I'll take him after after pick two hundred. I'll be fine taking Madrigal because you know, even if he's hitting low in the order, that's a pretty good lineup. You know, one through nine, so you know, he's gonna get more you know run scoring opportunities than most you know guys that are hitting eighth or ninth in the order. Um, so if you know, fill out your middle infield spot or utility or some some bench speed, uh, you definitely could have some pretty solid value for twenty twenty one, and then even long terms. It won't take much to trade for him. Like, obviously, you know, he's a top 100 type prospect. So there's obviously be some price tag there, but not as crazy as it probably should be. Um, so that's always a nice value with those types of guys. And moving on here to 
the opposite end of the spectrum with a not so safe prospect, but one that is very, very toolsy. You know, Chris, you alluded to him in, you know, back when we were doing our top 12s, that's Jazz Chisholm who came up for the Marlins last year. He played mostly second base, but struggled to the tune of a 161, 242, 321 slash and 19 strikeouts in 62 plate appearances. With Chisholm, you know, I have, I've always had him kind of in the 40 to 60 range of my overall top 250 just because that power speed is very nice. You could say that's above average to plus power, above average speed, but the hit tool is below average. And, and you see that with you know, how the batting average has fluctuated year to year. And it was in, in his debut back in 2016 in the Pioneer League, hit 281. All right, pretty solid. 2017 in King County, the Midwest League, low A, 248. Then up to 272 in 2018 between uh, low A and high A. And then down to 220 in 2019 in, when he played at um, between Arizona and Miami in, in the Miami system in the AA Southern League. 220 with 147 strikeouts and 458 player appearances. You know, that's not good. So obviously there's some chase issues that need to be ironed out. The contact needs to improve, even if he can sniff fringe average in the con in the uh, hit tool, just to get to like 250 or so. Which right now I'd probably put him much more of like a 230, 240 guy, to be honest with you. Even though he's a career 255 hitter in the minor leagues, I just think that major league hitters are just going to figure him out quicker, and they already did. Like they've already figured him out, and they're going to continue to expose the holes in his swing. So if he can just make those improvements just to get up to 250 ish, you know, the, the walk rate isn't. Yeah, you know, it's not bad, but it's not great. So he's gonna be a low OBP guy as well, probably like 310, 320 OBP at most. But just just enough to get to get that power and speed profile to really flourish. He'll be a 25 homer, 20 steel type at peak if that hit tool comes along. But he uh, he sure is risky. Yeah, he he kind of reminds me of like a poor man's Christian Robinson, where there's just so much risk here in the profile. But if he hits, like it could be elite. It's interesting. I know it's a small sample that we saw this year in 2020 when he was called up. The zone contact was 91.4%, like super solid zone contact. But the problem is he can't hit the ball out of the zone. Yeah. He's chasing a lot. And he's got a 53.5% O contact rate, which is killer. So all of his swings and misses are coming out of the zone. I don't know if it's a pitch recognition problem or what it is, but he's failing in chasing. So not a good combo there. Obviously, like you mentioned, it's a major fluctuation that we've seen throughout his career. And he's got a lot to live up to because the Marlins traded for him. They traded Zach Gallon straight up for him. And Gallon is just blossoming in Arizona. And Chisholm made some strides when he came over in 2019. They really worked to refine his hit tool, and it showed. I mean, in double A 2019, after getting traded, he hit 284 with a 383 OBP. Pretty solid. It was a small sample of, of just 94 plate appearances. But again, then we see him come up this year and he just struggled big time. At 161 average that you mentioned, a 242 OBP. The good news is that he does walk a lot, which helps a little bit, but the batting average is just putrid and the hit tool is, is not there. So he's got to work, obviously, on and the zone contact number this year could have been a huge outlier and just a small sample. But just so interesting to see is a 91.4% Z contact, but a 75.2% overall contact. Pretty, pretty big fluctuation there. Normally, you don't see that in the profile. But again, if he hits, could be really, really solid. And right now, I mean, his hit tool is probably like a 30, but potential 40 in the future. If you just hope and pray that he gets to average, if he can just... Even if he can just be a 260 hitter, man, he could be so good because of the, the power-speed combo. So we're going to hold out for that and hope that he can turn into that, especially at the second base position. He could be huge if he hits right. Um, next guy, which is interesting, is a guy that could debut this year. And there's a lot of ifs, but if uh, Francisco Lindor is moved, this guy named Owen Miller, who came over in the Mike Clevenger trade now with, with Cleveland, what do you think about Miller? You think he could he could debut this year and play short? Might play some second? I think regardless of Lindor's traded or not, he's going to debut this year. Just obviously, it will depend on if Lindor gets traded to determine how big of a role he plays. And all indications are, I think Lindor's probably getting dealt here. We still got, what, over you know four and a half months till the season starts, you know, a couple months out from pitchers and catchers reporting. 
So I do think Cleveland's going to end up dealing Lindor and opening up a you know big door for you know, Owen Miller or Gabriel Arias or somebody else to step in. And Miller is, I think, the closest to you know being major league ready. You know, very he's not a one of those kind of boring high floor guys. Nothing flashy about this this profile. Nothing at all. But I've consistently been ranking him kind of like in the back end of my top 250 just because he does a lot of things, you know, well. He can, there's not like a big weakness either. If you look at in 2019 for double A Armarillo, he slashed 290, 335, 430, 13 home runs, five steals. You know, walk rate was about eight and a half percent, 130 games. You know, that's kind of what he is. He can, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, what Kevin Newman was back in 2019, not the disastrous Kevin Newman from 2020, who was, you know, I think under the Mendoza line all year, but just a guy that can hit, you know, for solid average, solid OBP, probably like 280-ish average, three, you know, 340 OBP, maybe in that general ballpark. And he's a 307 career hitter in the minors. He hit 336 in his 2018 debut between low A and high A. So he should hit, should hit for a decent average. Maybe he's like a 12 to 15 home run guy, 10 steals or so. Uh, just a guy that you can just grab to fill out your some some middle infield bench depth on your team. Now, maybe not draft him this year or maybe wait to see what happens with Lindor if Lindor gets dealt. And maybe draft him late in the draft and hold it or a best ball or something like that for the middle infield depth and you know the stability he could bring with the batting average. But long term, this is not a, a super exciting player, but... Yeah, definitely more of a safer floor guy. So definitely just keep an eye on if uh, Lindor gets dealt here in the offseason before you potentially draft Owen Miller for 2021. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, Miller could be intriguing. Don't think he's going to be anything special. Like we said, there's a lot of just floor guys that we're looking at here at second base. But he's just going to be like pretty average across the board, I think, with average hit, average power, maybe a little below average speed. but. Still solid, and he's chipped in some steals, and he chipped in five steals in 2019, 13 bombs over 560 plate appearances. Good average, though, so could be an intriguing guy to take a late-round flyer and draft and holds, and if Lindor does get moved, I definitely think I'd take a shot on him just because he's going to get playing time, especially in leagues where you roster so many people. Right, and it's something to say, too. Like People always think, oh, when some of these top player development orgs trade for prospects – I always makes you think like, are they on to something here with this guy? So the fact that Cleveland, you know, traded for him and wanted him um, in that return package this past uh, summer, you know, it makes it a little more encouraging. And maybe he can be a solid little player. He's you know decent defensively too, so I think he can you know definitely stick at second base or shortstop wherever they decide to play him. But yeah, definitely just a solid little solid little profile here that won't won't hurt you, but you know won't won't win you any leagues either. Um, one more here that came up. Very briefly in 2021, Zach McKinstry and Chris, do you have something to say about Zach McKinstry? I think, I think you might. Yeah, Zach McKinstry, this is a if, big if. If Zach McKinstry can get the playing time he needs in L.A., he's going to be the 2021 version of Jake Cronenworth. Just go ahead and write it down. Ooh, this is it. the type, type of guy that can do this because he plays everywhere. He, he can play any infield position, really plays the outfield, pretty much does everything but catch. And I think that actually plays pretty well in the with the Dodgers, even if there's not a like defined open spot for him, because we know the Dodgers like to platoon, move guys around. So even if McKinstry can just get like four to five games a week, it would be huge for him. Solid hit tool. Everywhere he's been, he's hit, which is encouraging. The power is developing, man. He's a lot of scouts grade the power pretty low. But he's really come around on it, and he's he's an older prospect. I mean, he's already 25 years old. He'll be 26 at the beginning of next year, so very similar to Cronenworth here where a lot of people hadn't heard of him, but he could come up and make a nice splash. He's really elite in the field. He's got a great arm, so he can play about anywhere, which is a plus. He's got above-average speed. He's going to steal some bases. I really think that, and this is a big if, if he can just get the plate appearances that he needs, he could be – that solid power speed threat like Jake Cronenworth. It may not be flashy, but even if you just get 12 home runs, 12 stolen bases with a solid average, it's going to be very helpful for your team. And that's the kind of guy McKinstry can be, I think. Even it could get more power than that because we saw in 2019, he really took off, man. He hit 19 home runs and right under 500 plate appearances. 
So there's definitely more power in the tank than I think a lot of people have seen. And then the speed's there. So watch out for this guy. I don't he he's probably going undrafted in most drafts, but it depends on what happens, like who the, the Dodgers are prone to go out and, and buy anybody they want, which could definitely affect this playing time. But if there's an opening and if he can just fill a, a utility role around the infield and even some outfield, if he just gets enough plate appearances, he could be a nice threat for him and for your fantasy team. All right, let me write, write this down. Zach McKinstry, 2021 National League MVP. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, right, me too far, but hey. <laughs> it was like that that guy that would always tweet us saying that Edwin Rios is the next MVP um, for, the, for the National League. So, Zach McKinstry, Edwin Rios, you know, a young Dodger. Um, yeah, yeah I, I definitely like McKinstry too. I, I like the power. I like the, you know, the speed you mentioned as well. He'd be a nice little, you know, 2010 guy, something like that. Maybe a little more power. But like you mentioned it's the Dodgers, and they already have a pretty loaded leg. It took a little bit of time for to get Gavin Lux some playing time, and he still hasn't fully been, you know, anointed the starter for 2021. So it'll be interesting to see where McKinstry fits in. Maybe it's a super utility role, kind of, but, you know, playing all around the field, like a Kike Hernandez type of role. We'll see. But, yeah, definitely some excitement there with this offensive profile for sure. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here, and we'll come back and talk a lot of uh, intriguing guys at the lower levels that could be shooting up prospect rankings over the next couple of years. So we'll be right back. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. I have a quick announcement, and this is also my uh, every pod Garrett Hampson plug. So the Colorado Rockies tweeted out earlier today, this, we're recording on Sunday night, um, they said, okay, fine, we'll do one. Tell us your favorite Rocky without telling us your favorite Rocky. And then our buddy um, DFS Dave you know, at Corporal Eddie replied to them saying, you know, he tagged me at Eric Cross, therefore has a man crush on him. Um, meaning Hampson and Colorado Rockies Twitter page liked that tweet. So the it's they know I like Garrett Hampson. It's out there. So uh, next step is uh, they're going to hire me as GM. I'm just assuming that's the uh, natural progression of uh, events here. So uh, I'll be the new GM of the Colorado Rockies in the near future, and you will see Garrett Hampson getting lead off um, every day, or I will just keep firing managers until somebody will listen to what I want to do. Um, <laughs> so there's my uh, every pod Garrett Hampson plug here. But back to our uh, regularly scheduled programming here with second base prospects, which Hampson used to kind of be one a little bit. Let's uh, talk about one that's very, very intriguing. Um, very good, very good profile, but also this last name. We'll just get him buzz from that alone. And that's Luis Angel Acuna of the Texas Rangers. You know, we both have, we've, we've both gushed about him, but let's do a little more here. This is a guy where if you look outside my top 100, or he's actually, I think I just put him inside my top 100, but barely. But in that 100 range, that could potentially be a top 25 guy next year. It's Luis Alejandro Cunha. It really is. Like he doesn't have the power of, that his brother brings to the table, obviously. But the the approach, the hit tool, contact skills, the bat speed, the speed, the foot speed. You know, he just does a lot of things well outside of the power. Like in his one season in 2019 uh, in the DSL slash 342, 438, 455. 11 doubles, three triples, two bombs, 17 for 23 in stolen bases attempts, 14.2% walk rate, 10.8% strikeout rate. And like I've always said, you know, you got to take, you know, the Dominican Summer League or just rookie ball numbers in general, especially the lower levels of rookie ball of the Dominican Summer League. Um, you got to take those with a grain of salt. But that approach, is, the approach is all stuff you can take away. If they're striking out a lot down there, you know, there's, there's some strikeout issues, you know, some chase issues that you need to be ironed out. In fact, he only struck out 10.8% of the time. Is great. Walked a lot. He's a below average power. Maybe he's peak 40 grade if he can, you know, develop some a little more bulk, which I think he can. There's some projection there. But like I mentioned, the the plus hit, plus speed, great approach. Doesn't chase much. You know, the contact skills are great. This could be a you know the future you know leadoff hitter that Texas has really been lacking for the last few years here. But you know, Chris, you know, how excited are you on Acuna? I know you're right there with me, aren't you? 
Yeah, definitely. And he's never going to have that kind of power that, that Ronald does. He's a little guy. I mean, he's, he was listed at 5'10", 155, but he's young. He could still grow. And obviously, we didn't get to see him in 2020. He looked to be ripping the ball, though, in the outside of a couple of videos that I did see. The speed's legit. The hit tool's developing into a very solid one. You mentioned the approach is, is very good. And I just think he's really going to rocket up rankings. He was 17 years old. And as you mentioned in the rookie ball in 2019, when he performed really well. And I just think that with time, he's going to grow into some power. He's going to fill out the frame. And honestly, he could still grow. Like I think he could gain an inch or two, gain some weight, and that power could develop to at least average. You're not going to see, I mean, Ronald just blast balls, but it's not going to happen here, but it'd still be a solid player, man. I think it across the board, he could give you a lot of steals, give you a solid average, even even some power. So, this is going to be a big development year for him. 2021. He's 19. He's not even 19 years old. He'll be 19 to start next season. So still a long way to go in development for him, but a guy that really could rocket up rankings this year, I think with just, just the time and development. So I'm excited about Acuna for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of excitement just in general in the prospect and in the dynasty community here with Acuna starting with that last name. But then when you start looking at him, looking at the tools he has, is like, we mentioned the speed, the hit tool, so on and so forth. There's a lot to be excited here, and any power he provides is just gravy. Even if it's even if it's ten bombs, you know that's gravy on top of that nice profile, the hit speed profile that we talked about. So, yeah, he's gonna be one of the guys I'm really looking forward to seeing the most in 2021. Like if I could put together a list of you know my top ten prospects that I'm looking forward to seeing the most in 2021, Acuna would would make that top ten. So, very very excited about him. So I definitely. You know, that the window to get him at a reasonable price is it's already started to close because um, of his performance in his name, but it's going to close even quicker in 2021 if he keeps raking like he did in 2019. So and this might be your last chance to go get him in Dynasty Leagues at an affordable price. So definitely go and try to do that if you want a piece of that pie moving forward. And then we already talked about one 2020 draftee at this position in Nick Gonzalez. Uh, the other one, um, there's a few more that got drafted, but the other really noteworthy one that went in the Middle of the first round to my Boston Red Sox for some freaking reason. Um, I'm not bitter or anything, but Nick York. And, you know, I say that because, you know, obviously Nick York was more of a second, third round talent that we took as an underslot guy because our player development organization people really, really liked Nick York. I heard some scouts say that, you know, he had one of the best hit tools on the West Coast for a prep bat. Um, but uh, Nick, you're actually a little higher on. Nick York than I am looking at our, con- our consensus rankings here. I had Nick York 22nd and you had him 16th. So, you know, you, you must, you like him a little bit more than I do. What, what about Nick York? Do you like that? You see um, that could people in, you know, dynasty could, could look forward to having on their team moving forward here. Yeah. And I think we can both agree that it was probably just a little too high to, to draft a little. Over. just a little bit, but the hit tool is, is solid. Some scouts said that he had the best hit tool on the West Coast, which is pretty bold. I don't, I'm not going to go that far, but I think that it's pretty solid. And I think that the power can develop. I, I've read reports out of camp that there's been flashes of power in the profile, which is encouraging for sure. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to, to say because we look at it and say, first round draft pick, there's so much hype to live up to. But honestly, I don't feel like there's a ton of hype here because most Red Sox fans weren't overly thrilled with this pick. And I think you can attest to that. So there's not like a ton of hype that he's got to live up to from being this first rounder. But I'm just thinking that with time, he's still young. We know the hits there. But if he does develop the power, it could be a solid play. And so I'm right now thinking he's probably going to have about average power with an above average hit tool, which is why I put him – a little higher. There's just a lot of these guys in this range. You're like, eh, like, but don't love York has some potential chance to develop into something decent, which is why I put him at 16th overall, just kind of banking on a solid hit tool and some developing power because it, a lot of his, his hits just natural. He's got a pure swing, pretty advanced approach and enough power potential that he could be a decent type player. He's not going to be a stud by any means, not going to win you fantasy leagues, but he's going to be a solid contributing second baseman like a lot of these guys we've talked about. 
just just solid, not great. So that's kind of where I am on Nick York. That is very fair, kind of how I think about Nick York, but that's also the reason why I didn't like him as a first-round pick, especially with uh, guys like Pete Crow Armstrong, Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Jarvis, all those types that we definitely needed more because we already have a lot of infielders in this uh you know, at the major league level and in the minors, as we've talked about, you know, Jeter Downs, we play in second base, and Xander Bogarts locked up long term. Where does Nick York play? Obviously, it's a few years out, so you know, there's plenty of ways that could play out. You never know, but yeah, so solid little player. I said good hit tool, maybe a little bit of pop, you know, a touch of speed, not too much on either one, but maybe he's a 280 15 homer type, you know, maybe adds five, 10 steals, who knows, but. Not someone I'm super excited about, as you can probably tell from my 22nd ranking of him, um, even with him being from my Boston Red Sox. But definitely someone I'm actually going to be intrigued to, to see as he gets up through the, the ranks here and comes comes up through my neck of the woods in Double A Portland, just to see if there can be a little more power upside, you know, to go along with that nice hit tool. So we'll see, but you know, definitely at least someone to someone someone to monitor, I'll say, in uh, dynasty leagues moving forward, um, just for that hit tool alone. And now let's get into some breakouts here to close the show. Uh, we, we did last week. We had a couple of breakouts from each of us. We'll do that again this week. Uh, I'm, I am I hate that both of mine are from the same team and a team that I absolutely hate. You can probably guess what team that is. But, Chris, how about you start us off here? Who's the, your first breakout here at the second base position? Yep, that is Aaron Bracho, who I already have extremely high. Most don't have him as high as I do. I've got him fourth overall at the position. I've got him about 40th overall in my prospect rankings. Just a guy that I've loved for several years, and I'm glad to see that he's finally getting the respect he deserves here. He's a small second baseman, switch hitter, listed 5'11", 175, just 19 years old. Looked extremely solid at 18 years old in 2019. Just showed a lot of tools that that I like to see. First off, the hit tool looked solid. The power, I mean, for a little guy, just the way he gets around on the ball, he gets a lot of power on it. And the speed, while while he's not the fastest runner, he's kind of aggressive, which helps. He's going to chip in some steals. And I think that you're looking at a guy that is just going to really take off this year. The plate discipline is very, very good. Walks at a high clip. He walked it in – Low A or in rookie ball at 16.8% rate, and then in low A, 15.6%, which again, don't get too much into these numbers, but it's still encouraging to see that kind of plate discipline. Didn't strike out at a crazy high clip either, just 15.3% in rookie ball and 137 plate appearances, which, which is definitely encouraging. Solid OBP should hit for solid average. The hit tool's definitely there. Hits a ton of line drives and fly balls, which I love to see. He's not. He hit the ball on the ground 25% of the time. So he's getting in the air a lot. He's getting a lot of loft on the ball, and he pulls the ball well. So you mentioned pulled in the air typically turns out well. So you're, you think you could definitely see him growing into some solid power. The raw power is, is there. The game power is developing. I think that Bradshaw is going to be a solid 25 home run guy with a solid batting average, chip in a couple steals. And I think you're going to really see it on full display this year. Not sure what level he'll start at. Again, he's still young, still a lot of development to be had, but I could see him just being a moving up to star status this year in prospect rankings. I like Bracho as well. I kind of look at him as like a poor man's Kesson Hiria, where he's you know could hit for a decent average, maybe not quite as much power as Hiria, but you know, a little bit of speed. You know, Hiria can chip in a handful of steals as well. So yeah, kind of like a poor man's Hiria has been my comp for Bracho. You know, if everything clicks for him, definitely like him a lot long term here. And then, you know, both my guys are from the Yankees, so I'll start with Michael Escoto. Chris, have you ever had a, a nice fine wine called Michael Escoto? I have not. <laughs> doesn't, that, doesn't that sound like a nice, like, $500 bottle of wine? Yeah, it really does. Is, is that expensive for wine? I don't drink wine. Is $500 a bottle expensive? Is that? I don't know. I don't know. I you don't drink wine either? <laughs> <laughs> Can't answer that. It sounds expensive. I, I thought yeah. that was a good number for expensive um, yeah. label of wine. But, you know, so – Michael Escoto here of the New York Yankees. You know, both of my guys are from the Yankees, unfortunately, as a Red Sox fan. But you know, he, he's one that's really intrigued me you know, over the last couple of years. Um, played a little bit of third base, a little bit of shortstop. They kind of moved him around in 2018. But about two-thirds to three-quarters of his games did come with the second-base position. You know, Yankees signed him out of the Dominican Republic 
for 350,000 back in the 2018 J2 class. So not one of their, not a big signing, you know, not a two to three million signing like a lot of top guys get, but you know, he's really impressed in his debut in 2019 uh, in the DSL. He had 181 at bats. And with those, he slashed 315, 429, 552, 23 total extra base hits. Eight of those clearing the fence, added in 13 steals and a 14.7% walk rate. Well, he's not the guy that's not really that big. 5'11, 185 is his list weight, you know. But problem, maybe he's added a little bit of bulk since then. I haven't seen reports on that, but um, I think that list weight was from like 2019 or early on in 2020. So maybe he's had a little bit of bulk there, but. Another guy that doesn't have a, a standout tool, but he's shown the ability to work the count, the ability to you know put the barrel on the ball. There are some swing and miss you know concerns so far. Um, he had a little bit of a higher strikeout rate um, in the DSL back in 2019, but you know, nothing that's like too too concerning. And he's still you know, he's very young. Uh, he's only 18 right now. Won't even be 19 until uh, middle of 2021. Uh, in June, so definitely has you know several years away from being you know brought up into the Bronx potentially. So plenty of time to work on on those issues. But this doesn't have a huge weakness offensively either. You know, it could be right around a, a fifty hit, fifty power, you know, above average speed, and maybe pushing plus speed. So this is something that can really help out all around uh, offensively. Who knows where he ends up? Like I mentioned, he's played three different infield positions. The Yankees don't usually have a ton of openings, um, especially on offensive and in the infield. They usually only have like one at most. Usually they um, have some pretty solid guys there and like they always do. But, you know, his versatility, I think that's why they're giving him looks at different spots, see where he fits best. Not a great defender, so um, but not terrible either. But they'll probably keep moving him around, giving him looks at all three of those, see if you know, he starts standing out at one of the, you know, one of those three spots and, just keep that versatility up for when he gets closer to the Yankees so they can use him in a variety of roles. Maybe he's a super utility type. Who knows what the Yankees will have for openings at that time, which is probably looking at 2024. 20, it's probably where I would throw his ETA right now. But it's a nice all-round offensive profile where he could be a, take a 270 hitter, 15 to 20 bombs, 20 to 25 steals, best-case scenario. You know, Maybe he's a little bit less than all that, but – just someone that can contribute a little bit all all around. And that raw power is still kind of – he's still tapping into that. I think there's some more projection there with the frames. Maybe, maybe he's an above-average raw power type. That wouldn't surprise me either. Um, like I said, just a nice all-around profile offensively um, that you can really get excited about and in a pretty solid system as well for player development with the Yankees too. So that excites you a little bit too. They've always been you know, developing nice hitting prospects over the last you know decade or, or – even more than that, but yeah. So my first one is my color Escoto. Uh, Chris, back to you for your second. Yeah, no, I love that pick. I talked about Escoto a little bit in our previous pod. We talked about breakout hitters for 2021, so I'm excited to see that further development. Uh, my second guy is Tyler Callahan. He was the third round pick by the Cincinnati Reds in 2019. Uh, Callahan's a lefty. That bat's just going to play in Great American Small Park. We know that is one of the, the better hitting environments, and especially for a lefty with a lot of raw power. We've, we've talked about Austin Hendrick and how that power is just really going to play, and we forget about guys that have plus raw power like Tyler Callahan does. He hasn't really tapped into it that much. We haven't seen a ton from him because, obviously, 2020 didn't have a season. He just played short-season ball in 2019. But between his two stops – in the Appy League and the Pioneer League in 2019. He hit six bombs in 57 games. He stole 11 bases, so he's got intriguing speed. He hit, hit for 263 batting average and 298 OBP. So it wasn't super intriguing there. The hit tool was still developing, but I think when you look at this kind of approach that he has, I could see potential average to above average hit tool. He makes good contact. He's got a good approach. He doesn't walk a ton, and he doesn't just doesn't work deep into counts. So the strikeout percentage isn't that high, but he's also not walking very much, which is a discouragement for an OBP type league. And you saw I mentioned he had that low two ninety eight OBP. Again, young first taste of pro ball. That kind of stuff can change. He's a high schooler coming out, so a lot of pressure on this guy. But when you look in the profile and you see that type of raw power, and the speed is clock times aren't great, but again, he stole 11 bases in 57 games. So he's a very aggressive runner. 
which I wouldn't expect him to be a speed guy. But even if you just get a solid hit and, and raw power guy you're in, in Cincinnati, that's a very good place for that to play up. So look out for Tyler Callahan this year. This, is, again, is a big development year for a lot of these 2019 guys that missed all the 2020 season. They didn't get much development time. And it's we're unsure how some of this stuff worked out in Instructs. Like, did they get the reps they needed? I know a lot of these guys were double A AA and triple A guys. Obviously, a lot of the 2019 draft class missed out on this. So we'll see how he looks coming out. It'll be tough, but I do like the profile that Tyler Callahan possesses, and I really think that he could be in for a big breakout this year. You just see the power burst and the hit tool develop. It'd be a long way for him to, to jump up the rankings, and it wouldn't surprise me a bit. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. It's funny, every time I hear the name Callahan, whether it's with him or with other people, I just think of Tommy Boy and the Callahan auto parts with Chris Farley, David Spade. Uh, it's a great movie, but that makes me think of you know Callahan auto parts from Tommy Boy every time I hear that name. Um, so definitely like Tyler Callahan long-term as well. Um, he's pretty – I don't think – he's just missed my top 250, I believe, but um, very, very close to it. And back to my other one here from the Yankees again. I feel dirty doing this. I really do. But it, I can't help it. I like the Yankee system. Like they don't have, outside of just on Dominguez, they don't have like this huge name right now. Like it's kind of down in terms of like the elite talent. But there's so many good values, so many good breakout potentials in this system. Like I mentioned, it's a pretty good player development organization in general. Um, so yeah, my second one here is Ezekiel Duran. He's had a little bit of an interesting uh, kind of up and down roller coaster career here so far. He's, he's been in the Yankees work for three seasons: 2017, 18, and 19. Put at the in the Dominican Summer League, then the Appalachian League, and then the New York Penn League. And like I said, that that fluctuation of production has really been profound. He had 393 his first year. Yeah, it was 15 games, but 393 in the, in the Dominican Summer League. Then hit 201 in the Appalachian League in 2018. Um, he's a little bit young for the level. He was only, he's only barely 19. I think he was still 18 for part of that season. Um, hit 201 with a uh, 65 walks or excuse me, 65 strikeouts. Ten just nine walks, so not great. Uh, adding his 15 walks or 15 strikeouts and three walks in the previous year, that's 12 walks, 80 strikeouts in 68 games. Not great. Uh, definitely some work to do there. Did improve the the uh, approach in 2019 at Staten Island in the New York Penn League. A little bit, not great, but the walk rate did go up um, to right around 9%, um, so definitely higher than his career 6.4 rate. So that's encouraging that that went up. Strikeout rate. Stay about the same. Um, it's not so much that there's, he strikes out a, a ton. Yeah, he's yeah got around twenty seven percent K rate overall, twenty seven point two um, to be precise. So that's not it's not great, but it's not terrible. It's not like thirty eight percent or something like that. Like, like with Jess Chisholm, who's in the thirties, but there is some you know approach issues here that need to be ironed out. But if he can, there's a really intriguing little power speed profile here because through all these ups and downs. He has 134 career games total, 20 bombs, 22 steals, only being caught five times, four of those being in 2019 when he had 11 steals. But, you know, in you know, in the Staten Island, in the New York Penn League, he had the most home runs in 2019. He led the league with 13 home runs. Uh, he was on a 32-27 pace. Um, so that's just, you know, obviously very, very special pace to be on there. Uh, like I said, the walk rate went from 3.8% to 9%. His estimated fly ball distance went from um, up 15 feet to 297.4 feet and 496 slugging, 246 ISO. So really bounced back in, in a really good way here while improving the walk rate, which was, like I mentioned, atrocious before that. Um, he's bulked up a little bit too from what I've seen over the last couple of years. Um, so that's really encouraging for that power too. And he's, he's had some impressive exit velocities. I saw that he was averaging 91.9 miles an hour of average exit velocity. Uh, in the New York Penn League, which is very, very solid, especially for for someone that was only 19 years old and, and 20 years old for that entire season. Um, so overall, I think we could be looking at a – maybe he's only an average, you know, 50 hit, but I think there's above average power, above average speed here. Could be a 2020 type of guy at peak if everything clicks with him. Like I said, there's still a lot of things to be worked out here with the approach and with the contact skills. Um, hopefully he gets a little bit of consistency here. Hopefully that nice showing in, in the Penn, New York Penn League was the start of that. We'll see. He's another guy I'm really interested in seeing in 2021. Uh, so he'll probably start in, you know, full season single A ball. Um, maybe in the middle in Atlantic League. Who knows? Newly formed Mid-Atlantic League. But we'll see where the Yankees assign him. But 
definitely very, very exciting profile here. It's another kind of young, you know, toolsy, but raw, you know, player that the Yankees have in the lower levels. They have a lot of these guys, Alexander Vargas, Kevin Alcantara, Antonio Cabello. There's a lot of those guys that the upside's there, but you, you know, the tools are there, but you need to, you know, fine tune those to tap into that upside. So I'm hoping, you know, part of me hopes that these guys never click. So the Yankees don't have more good young players in their organization, but you know, I do have you know a few shares of both Escado and Duran in Dynasty League. So the fantasy you know manager in me hopes that you know maybe at least one of these two clicks, but we'll see. But yeah, that's gonna wrap us up here. A really fun episode at second base. Like I said probably I like it better than both first base and catcher so far. Um, we're getting kind of like these little bit lesser positions out of the way here. We'll get some. We we'll hit third base next week, which is. Uh, around the same level of talent-wise, but then we get into the big boys. We get into the shortstops, the outfielders, the pitchers. So that'll be fun. But, yeah, we'll be back next week with third base rankings, and we will get our consensus top 25 between Chris and I. Uh, we'll do that tweet like we have for the last two positions out probably on Wednesday. Um, so we got to look out for that, for that top 25. Um, head over to fantasyhq.com as well for you know content from Chris and I and the, for baseball, which we're pumping out every couple articles every day um but yeah until then we will be back with you next week we hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, take care